1: Listening to the Raptors
2: Rapture podcast. What up, everybody? Thank you so much for listening to another episode of the Raptors Rapture podcast. As always, I'm your host Hunter Surplus. Before we get into things, reminder: go to RaptorsRapture.com every single day for brand new daily Raptors content. Go to Raptors Rapture on Twitter. Give us a follow. You will not be upset. Today's a very good episode. It's just me on the line right now. Don't have a guest today, but it's still going to be a very good episode here just like every single week we're going to start off with a little bit of news and we've got quite a bit of that to cover. And then in the second half of this episode, you guys came up with a little bit of heat. You guys came out here asking me some questions DM me on Instagram, DM me on Twitter, saying Hunterman, you got to answer these questions whenever you get a chance. So this time, since it's just me, I thought it was going to be the best time for me to answer some of your Raptors-related questions. You guys came up with some really good questions. Depending on how long I go on some of the answers, we'll, uh, we'll see how many we get in there. Right now I'm planning about four or five, but we could get up to six, seven, eight, if I'm not going too in-depth, which, which I promise you I'm going to try my best to do. The biggest news coming from the Raptors this week is that they clinched the playoffs for the seventh straight season. Seven straight years in the playoffs for the Toronto Raptors. I know everyone did their all-decade teams and and their their you know the best teams of the 2010s and the best teams of the past decade uh, earlier this year and and at the end of at the end of last year in December and and into into 2020 when we got into January and whatnot, but I think we have to look back and and say how good this Toronto Raptors team really has been and how consistent they've been despite having. Kind of three separate eras, I guess we we can call it. Uh, you know, there's the DeRozan-Larry era in their first stage, and then there was the DeRozan-Larry era where they couldn't get past anyone in the playoffs. And by anyone, I mean uh, LeBron James and his friends. Then obviously there was the Raptors team with Kawhi Leonard last year who ended up winning the NBA championship. And now we're on to that third stage, and we're on to that third team that's kind of looking more ahead to the future with the Pascal Siakam at the helm, with obviously Kyle Lowry there being the main constant between all three, but then you've got a young guy, Fred Van Fleet, O.G. Ananobi, Norman Powell playing really well, and new guys like Terrence Davis stepping up, Chris Boucher having a really good season with the team, kind of his first real season, getting a lot of a lot of minutes and, and, and some really good stints out there, despite having a lot of injuries with this team. And despite so many, so many people disregarding the Toronto Raptors and disregarding what this Raptors team was going to be, um... I think. Long story short, the future looks really bright for this for this Raptors team, and it looks like there's going to be more success to come, barring anything very major and very very stupendous happening over the next you know few years or your, or next few weeks or months or whatever. Um, this team does look like it's in some good hands. Pascal Siakam has looked really good this year. He's he's taken a step, and he's been a really big reason as to why the Raptors are projected for you know somewhere in the vicinity of 55 to 57 wins by all these by all these different places and and the biggest reason for that has been this this whole team because of all the injuries that they have gone through and all the stuff that they've been through but anyways i just want to shout them out shout out toronto raptors as always we love you guys um great season so far it's it's only going to get more and more and more and more exciting as as the as the year goes on and as the playoffs come and and as we get deeper into them series baby And with that being said, the Raptors just got home from a five-game West Coast road trip. Well, I don't know if they're home yet, but they just finished a five-game West Coast road trip by beating the Jazz last night in a very, very fun game. They went 4-1-1. Over that road trip against the Denver Nuggets, the only game that they lost. Then they beat the Suns, Warriors, which was the game that they clinched their playoff spot, the Kings, and then, like I said, the Utah Jazz last night. So, right now they're at 46 wins. They've won four in a row. The team is looking unbelievable, specifically Kyle Lowry. An unbelievable past five games 24 and a half points, basically eight assists, five rebounds exactly, 38.5% from three. Four three pointers made a game. He's just been doing it all. He understands the the magnitude of some of these games and, and really holding on to that second spot being so important, especially when the Celtics have been struggling a little bit lately after basically, you know, scorching hot as the Raptors were um earlier in the season. And, you know, the one game that they did lose in that in that five game stretch, they were like the least healthy that they've been all year long. Like they essentially had to throw me out there at center, and I'm, you know, five ten. And it, it that's kinda what it felt like really, Jokic dominated. But even then, the Raptors really were in they were in that game for the most part outside of the last four or five minutes where the Denver Nuggets really, really took off. But other than that, it was a very valiant effort. They did all all the right things for the most part, and they did as much as they could going up against one of the biggest centers in the NBA having to throw out, you know, Rondé Hollis-Jefferson and and Chris Boucher. And I said that uh, a little bit ago that, you know, Chris Boucher doesn't really, can't really hang in those games when you're going up against a a big team. And I I think I was talking about the game against Milwaukee when Chris Boucher had to guard, uh, you know, either one of the Lopez twins or or Giannis. And that's not where he excels because if you've seen his body, he isn't necessarily the biggest guy, and this isn't a knock on Chris Boucher because he he has basically done exactly what the Raptors have needed from him in whatever role that they've given him so far this season, and he's done a really, really, really good job at it. It's just you can't ask too much of him or you can't expect too much of him. That's why that game really didn't disappoint me. It would have been really nice to see the Raptors put up a nice win against a really good team in Denver whose, whose defense has been relatively decent over the past um. Over the past little while, and I know it's dipped since that Raptors game. I, you know, the Raptors probably knocked a little bit of stuff out of them, um, but you know what? They they did look good, and 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 Boucher is looking, and, and I think we'll talk about him a little bit more in that in that mailbag portion of the show. And and one of the big reasons of of the Raptors' success so far this year, and and so far in that West Coast road trip, really went to Norman Powell. One player of the week for his efforts over the past little while. And he averaged a whopping 31.3 points per game on 56% from the field and 2.3 steals as the Raptors went 3 0. And that's obviously the, the tweet from NBA Canada that was kind of shouting out Stormin' and Norman. And, and everyone's kind of going back and looking at that that trade that eventually, uh, you know, they, they ended up picking Norman Powell and uh, a future pick, which was ended up being OG Ananobi, where they traded Grievous Vasquez. So shout out Grievous for us getting this guy in. And we're going to talk about a little bit, a little bit later in the show because there's a question pertaining to Norm Powell and OG Ananobi. We're going to talk a little bit about both those guys later on, so I'm not going to dive too far deep into, into, into his development. That's a little bit of a tease there for you, but I'm not going to dive too far deep into it. But, you know, he, ever since coming back from injury, Norm Powell has been outstanding. He's been really, really good on the offensive side of the ball. He's been doing everything right, averaging 28 points per game, one and a half steals, two and two and point eights, so almost three rebounds and almost three assists per game. He's doing it really well on both ends of the floor, shooting almost 40% from three and over 50% from the field and he's been really aggressive shooting just about like 20 field goals a game on 40 minutes shooting the ball a lot he's getting to the hole way better than than we've ever really seen him and like I said he's shooting the ball really well and 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 you know it really sucks that we have to see him go down yet again on the season we don't know how bad the injury is but hopefully it it's it's not as as bad as it looked because it did look it looked really gross it looked it looked really bad and he's missed a lot a lot of time so far this season with with certain injuries here and there and, and he's been banged up and so has all the raptors team and it felt like the raptors were just just on the precipice of being super healthy and and going into the playoffs strong and being able to get you know 10 15 games in there together with with everybody playing and and kevin allowing time for guys to rest like Kyle Lowry, allowing Serge Ibaka maybe a little bit of rest after the heavy loads that he's had to play with Gasol out and Pascal Siakam, the heavy load that he's had to play and obviously Fred Van Fleet, uh, which at one point was leading the league in minutes and he's, he's definitely right near the top right there. But, you know, a, a good thing about it is that from all accounts, he Norm Powell didn't leave the arena with crutches on or, or a walking boot or anything like that. So that is always usually... A, a good sign for injuries like this. I mean, injuries and seeing a guy go down the way that Norm Powell did is never a good thing. Obviously it'd be stupid of me to say that it was, but everyone is saying that it it's hopefully a little bit less than less serious than it looked. And I don't think we'll find out maybe until after I release this podcast. And if, if it does come out, I'll, I'll try to add it right at the end of this clip right here. Uh, just, so you, you guys know exactly what's going on as much as possible. Um, but you know what? It, it sucks. It just, it just really sucks, especially how hot he's been and, and how good he's been all season long. And hopefully he's not out anything serious amount of time. And it, it, I don't think he'll be out uh, in the playoffs because I'm sure they would have mentioned something, you know, he's going to miss four or five weeks. And I'm knocking on wood right now because that would just be horrible. Um, and like I said, the Raptors just can't seem to get healthy all at once. It's, it's a bit of a bummer, if you ask me. Um, but on the good note, I guess we could say is that Mark Gasol came back. Um, looks like he's getting back to, to his full strength, and he came back in the game against the Sacramento Kings. He did look a little bit rusty, but that's going to happen with a guy of his age and a guy who played such a long season last year. Um, that kind of thing's going to happen. You're going to look a little bit rusty. You're going to be off on a few shots. You're going to be doing a, a couple things a little bit different. You're going to be a little slower than the rest of the guys out there, and, and knowing Nick Nurse, you know, he's he's probably not going to throw him right into the fire right away and that's pretty much exactly exactly what happened he didn't exactly shoot the ball well. I think he was one for five. He he his only points came off a three pointer, didn't get to the line at all. He wasn't as aggressive as as you've seen a Gasol at times, but I think he understood the, the magnitude of this game and, and how it wasn't exactly the most important game that the Raptors were gonna be playing all year and, and I do believe that he was really trying to get back into the into the swing of things and you know, defensively he wasn't the most aggressive or, or anything like that. He didn't didn't pick up any fouls, no blocks. Um, So it just seemed like he was trying to get his legs back under him, trying to get back into the rhythm of what the NBA is like after being off for so long. Because we do know that, well, I mean, I don't personally know that, but from all accounts, you know, NBA games are are so much different from from what the the feeling is like in practice when there's fans and, and when guys are going a lot harder than they do in practice. So you know what? I'm just happy to see him out there. We're able to throw out a lot of different guys, different lineups now, get the guys ready for for what they're going to be used to seeing in the playoffs, right? Because we know that Gasol is such a such a big part in, in a lot of different playoff series. And, and I mentioned in podcasts earlier, in my predictions podcast, that I do actually think that uh, Serge Ibaka will start um, for the rest of the season. And, and depending on playoff matchups, I think Gasol will will probably get the start come that time, you know, if they're playing a bigger team like the Bucks, or, or if they are playing a bigger team like the the Philadelphia 76ers. And they do have a couple more games against the Bucks down the stretch. So it'll be interesting to see... As as all you know, we all hope Gasol being healthy, how he impacts games like those against the Milwaukee Bucks, and and we'll see how that does work and how he does make him an impact. And I do think it's going to be a lot. So that's really it for the news portion of this podcast. Let me know what you guys think. Let me know how you think Gasol is going to impact this game. Let me know what what you guys think about Norman Powell and and how his injury might might hurt this roster and see what's going on with that. So we're gonna be right back in just a moment to answer some of your guys' questions. All right, guys, so we're back. And now it's time to answer some of your guys' mailbag questions. that You had DM me on Twitter, DM me on Instagram, added me on Twitter, all that kind of stuff. So we've got a few of the of my favorite ones that were answered. So first one here from Kyle. Whose development has been more impressive this year? Is it Norman Powell or is it OG Ananobi? So this one is one of my favorite questions of this week because... It, it really, truly gets me excited for the future of this team because both Norm Powell and OG Ananobi are relatively young, Norm being 26, I believe, and OG being 22. Both guys are really, really young and probably have yet to reach their full potential. I know that, you know, Norm Powell is probably closer to his potential than an OG Ananobi, but it's still, it's still a really good thing. And so Here's here's my answer to this question. And and it's tough to do because it's they've been getting better on two different sides of the ball. Right? OG Anobi, despite getting a little bit better on the offensive end, his main categorical improvement has come from the defensive side of the ball. Whereas Norm Powell, you know, he has been a good defensive player for a lot of his career and he has improved a little bit on the defensive end. His improvement has really come on the offensive side of the ball. So both guys are a little bit on different sides of the spectrum here which which makes this interesting because if you put those two together especially with how norm powell is playing on the offensive end and especially how og ananobi has been playing recently on the defensive end with the about billion steals that he's had over the past few games that's basically the perfect player that you want a perimeter scorer who can get to the hoop who can dunk who's athletic he's really good in transition but is also one of the best defenders in the league and so I'm going to go with O.G. Ananobi on this one and why it excites me more. Only because O.G. Ananobi's defensive abilities and defensive prowess really fits this Raptors team more than Norman Powell's offense does. And that is no knock against Norman Powell. Because what he's doing, especially before the injury he's doing amazing things. He's scoring a lot. He's getting to the hoop better. Like All the things that I mentioned in that topic, he's doing really, really, really well. However, OG Ananobi's defensive abilities, like people say, defense always travels. And that's something that I think is, is true about OG. And a big thing, if you look at their per game stats or their per 36 minutes, on paper, it looks like, they're doing the same thing in terms of you know they've got basically the same amount of steals per game they've got basically the same amount of blocks per game but it's the little things that OG's doing and i i also think that OG has shown a higher upside on the offensive end than what he's actually been playing to obviously at the beginning of the season we saw him shooting about you know 100% from 3 it felt like it felt like every corner three he was going to take he was going to hit and that type of stuff is is what really gets me excited about OG Ananobi because if he can package those two things together, I think he's an insanely remarkable player. Whereas Norman Powell, I don't think his ceiling on the defensive end is necessarily as high as the ceiling of OG's offense. Yes, Norman Powell is really good. He's a good wing defender. He just doesn't seem to have the instincts. And if he's not in a system like the Toronto Raptors, he probably isn't as good. And you can definitely say the same thing for OG Ananobi. But to me, OG Ananobi is going to be, if not on the all-defensive team, he's going to be right up there in contention to make the all-defensive team this year and for years to come. Norman Powell, I don't think is ever really going to be considered one of the best offensive players in the league. I, I, I don't think he's ever going to become in, become a guy who's, who's able to score like Zach Levine, and, and I don't think he's also going to be a guy who can defend the same way that OG Ananobi does. But then again, not a whole lot of people in the NBA are going to be able to do that type of defense. So long story short, though both excite me very, very much for the future of this team, and I think they both fit this team very, very, very well on both the offensive side of the ball and the defensive side of the ball. I am going to just go with OG Ananobi, and I'm going to stick to that just because his defense is tremendous and he plays a position where you need really, really good defenders on the wing there. There's so many good wing offensive players who can score on just about anybody in the league and having a guy you can throw at them, whether it's for five minutes, for 10 minutes or, or a guy who can roam off ball and, and deprive that star player of getting the ball or, or making them uncomfortable, I think is so, so, so important in the league and, and in, an, in an area, in a situation where you're building around a guy like Pascal Siakam, who doesn't necessarily say play the same position as O.G. Ananobi. O.G. Ananobi can at least help guard those star players and, and big wing guys on the defensive end, so Pascal Siakam might not have to exert so much energy on that end and, and is able to use it more for the for his offense and for getting other guys involved and, and for getting his, his way on that other side of the ball while still helping out on the defensive end. So for for those reasons, uh, and this isn't taking anything away from Norm Powell, like I've said, I would say that OJ Ananobi's development, especially over the past few games, getting those million steals that we've seen him do, um, has been really impressive and hopefully it's it's only up from here. Okay, so moving on to this next question and this from some Jacob. So Jacob asks Who is the Raptors MVP this year? Is it Kyle Lowry or is it Pascal Siakam? So this one's funny because I've actually seen a lot of debates about this going around Twitter, and a lot of people are saying uh, Kyle Lowry has been the MVP this year, and I totally, totally agree because Kyle Lowry, like a lot of people are saying, is the heart and the soul of this Toronto Raptors basketball team. And without Kyle Lowry, the identity is so, so, so different He's been unbelievable over the past little little bit and, and this past stretch where Siakam truly has struggled a little bit on the offensive end, and he's doing all the little things to help win games. And when I say little things, I mean really big things. He's shooting the ball like a madman, but he's also not taking bad shots. He's making sure that if he's feeling good, he'll take a really good shot, and, and, and if not, and if there's someone better who has a possible better shot opportunity He's going to give it up for that every single time. And he just makes the right decisions. He's the heart and soul, like I said, of this basketball team. He makes all the winning plays. And you know what? You can look at the records when Kyle Lowry is off the floor and how well they were doing then and, and when Pascal Siakam was off the floor and how they basically were, were barely above 500 or just at it when it was just Kyle Lowry. But I think that's a totally different scenario. There's, there's so many different things. When both guys are on the floor, Pascal Siakam and Kyle Lowry, it's obvious that, that Kyle Lowry is the, the leader. He's the one in charge. He's the one that Pascal Siakam is going to defer to when he needs to. He's the one calling the plays. He's the one picking up all the slack on the defensive end when it comes to guarding the other team's best guards. Um, you know, Obviously, Fred VanVleet gets in the mix with that too, but I think everything that this team does goes through Kyle Lowry and it's not the same with, with Pascal Siakam and, and this is not knocking Pascal Siakam he's a fantastic player he's taken a huge step he's the future of this team that's 100% true and Pascal Siakam honestly is, is almost certainly going to make an all NBA team whereas Kyle Lowry's not Kyle Lowry's just not going to make an all NBA team and frankly he probably won't make an all NBA team for the rest of his career but, but this team lives and dies with Kyle Lowry when Kyle Lowry's struggling, this team is struggling. There's moments where Pascal Siakam can really pick it up. There's moments when a Fred Van Fleet can pick it up. There's moments when a, a Norman Powell even can pick it up and, and really step up in these times. But the thing is, is there's no replacement for a Kyle Lowry player in the NBA anymore. There just isn't. He is, he's a hard worker. He does all the little things right. He wins games. He makes winning plays for winning basketball teams. Kyle Lowry on the Toronto Raptors just equals success, and I don't know if you could say the same thing with about this team without Kyle Lowry being here, and frankly, it's been one of the most fun things to watch all season, because last year, we saw him take an, an even, even lesser role than he had when he was with the Marge Rosen, an even lesser role than what he's doing with Pascal Siakam this season, kind of deferring to them first and foremost, but last year, he was deferring to Kawhi Leonard, who had one of the higher usage rates that the Toronto Raptors have had in a long time. And and then now he's then deferring to Pascal Siakam, who was taking major strides in his game last year and was a big reason for the Raptors' success. But then also also giving up some shots for a guy like Serge Ibaka, who still needed to get his in despite having these two new guys. And Marcus Gasol having to get his shots in, which aren't very many, but still having to get touches and, and playmake and do all the stuff that get Marcus Hall into the game. And and this team has gone through so many injuries and so much pain and so many, you know, backfalls but have still been so 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 successful so far this year. Like they're going to be the second seed in the Eastern Conference and so much of that is because of Kyle Lowry and what he brings to the table. So long story short, it's got to be Kyle Lowry for the MVP and that doesn't mean that Pascal Siakam might not be the the best offensive player on the team which is usually who the the quote-unquote MVP is, but Kyle Lowry just does it all. He brings everything to the table that you want, not just from a point guard, but from a veteran, from a leader, from your team's second best or best player. Kyle Lowry is that guy, and that's why I think Kyle Lowry is the MVP this year. So we're going to go through two more questions here, and their next one is a, a good one, and it's kind of one that I've addressed on podcasts before, and it's one I talked about in my podcast with Sean Woodley when we talked about Kawhi Leonard uh, returning from the LA Clippers and coming here. And the question is from Sean, this which is kind of funny. And he asks, am I enjoying the regular season this year more than last year's regular season? And I think this one's an obvious answer. This one's got to be yes, right? Because this year's team, maybe they don't have the same expectations as a team with Kawhi Leonard on it. But they're really, really, really freaking good. And that really good team has not only upped expectations from what we thought that they were going to do heading into the season, but it's just made everything more fun. You don't have to worry about, oh, is Kawhi Leonard going to sit the game that I go? And I know that there's been a lot of injuries to this Raptors team, and, and that's never fun to watch, but it almost has made it more fun to watch because you get to see all these different players stepping up and all these different players executing at the best that they've been. In their whole career, Pascal Siakam's having a career season. Kyle Lowry, who's been in the league for what seems like forever, who's been a Toronto Raptor for what seems like forever, having really, really good seasons on so many 50-win teams, on so many 48-win teams. He's having one of the best seasons of his career. It's like a renaissance year for Kyle Lowry. Fred Van Fleet's going to get a bag this summer because of how well he's playing. Norman Powell, we've talked about him so much. He's having a career year. OG Anobi, defensively, is the man. Uh, Serge Ibaka, he's having an unbelievable stretch of games. Chris Boucher's coming out. Terrence Davis, we have Matt Thomas, one of the best shooters in the league. It's just this next man up mentality has made this season so much fun. You get to see so many different players wearing your team's favorite jersey, and you get to see so many players be in a system that makes them so successful. And it's not even just the play. It's it's the ability of all these players to, to connect, and you can tell that all these guys are having fun. You can tell that there's no divide in the locker room. There's not the overarching feeling of, damn it, Kawhi's going to leave if we don't win. There's not that. You know what? There's Fred Van Fleet who's gonna be a free agent next year. There's Marcus all there's Serge Bach who's gonna be a free agent this offseason. And nobody's worrying about if they're gonna leave because it truly does feel like this team is gonna to stay together forever. You don't have the feeling of, oh my God, somebody's gonna leave, or oh my God, I don't want to I don't want this guy on the team anymore. Because you really wanna see everybody I wanna see this team run it back next year. I want to see them sign all these guys to max contracts because I love this team so much. Frankly, this has been one of my favorite seasons to watch. And and this is saying this with DeMar DeRozan being my favorite Raptor of all time. And I mean, that now that's really slipping to Kyle Lowry as of late because of what he's been doing so far this year and what he's been doing his whole career with the Raptors. But I do have to say, man, this has been the most fun season that I've watched for the Raptors in such, such a long time. And I think... You know, you don't expect the Raptors to win a championship. And I've said this a bunch before. You don't expect them to win a championship, which is a lot of the time the whole reason you're watching these these games, you're watching these teams, is is because you want the Raptors and you want your favorite team to win the championship. You want to experience that. But this is almost better. Well, it's not. It's not. That's why I said almost. It's not better. But this is just as good. You're seeing them defend their title, which is a feeling that I've never had before for any of my favorite sports teams. You're seeing them defend a title and do it with honor, and do it with pride, and, and not give up. And a lot of the, the people coming into this season were saying, yeah, the Raptors are going to be sellers at the deadline. They're going to get rid of Larry, Ibaka, Gasol. None of that happened. They didn't make any moves, and they're still one of the best teams in the league, and it's looking like they're going to be one of the best contenders. Surprise seasons like this are almost more fun than seasons where you know you're going to be really good because there's so many expectations for your team. There's so many things that can go wrong and disappoint and, and just not be good for your mental health and your mental state as, as being a fan. But this year has been nothing but good vibes and nothing but, but really good stuff. And Raptors Twitter is probably happier than it's ever been. And that just makes my life happier because of how much I'm on Raptors Twitter and how much I'm following this team. So lastly, we're going to get into my last question. This is going to be more playoff focus. It's a little bit of a negative here, but it's not really. It's not really. You'll hear me out. So this runs from Mike. And he asks, what is your biggest concern for the Raptors going into the playoffs? So This is a really, really good question because for all the, the, the stuff that we've been saying about the Raptors and how positive we've been all year, like I mentioned, and how much of a surprise they've been and how good so many different players have been, how many players have stepped up, how well the coaching has been, how good their defense has been, the one thing that has constantly been meh is their offense. And they've had really good stretches of offense where they've scored 130 points, 140 points in back-to-back, back-to-back games and where they've been able to to play really good games against really, really good teams who have really good offenses and, and who have really good defenses. And they've been able to put up a, a lot of points on some of those teams. The only thing is that it's very inconsistent. And that's the one problem that I have. And, and this kind of has two layers to, to, to my answer here because yes, their offense has probably been their weakest part of their season. However... They do have one of the best defenses, and their defense is good enough where that they can be meh, okay, decent on offense. However, other teams' defenses in the playoffs, especially in the Eastern Conference, man, especially in the Eastern Conference, there's so many, so many good defensive teams in the Eastern Conference, defenses get better. And we saw it last year with the Raptors. Their defense was one of the best in the league when it came down to crunch time moments, and, and you know their, their defensive rating dropped a little bit, or I guess increased a little bit um, when when the postseason came around, but that's just because you're playing better offenses over and over and over again. But the Raptors' defense, I know for a fact, is going to travel, and it's going to be really good. So this one might not be the biggest concern to me, but other teams, you're going to have to face the, the Philadelphia 76ers, maybe. You might have to face the Miami Heat, maybe. You might have to face the Boston Celtics. It's looking like that's going to be the second round matchup if we get there. Well, I mean, if we're in second place, we're going to get there. And then you're going to have to face the Milwaukee Bucks if you make the conference finals. All of those teams have really, really solid defenses. And I know Philly hasn't been healthy so far, so we haven't seen them at their best. But you're still looking at it, and you've got Ben Simmons, Joel Embiid, all out there. For the Celtics, you just have a powerhouse of players that can go out and dominate at any moment on the defensive end. On the Milwaukee Bucks, you've seen how good they've been all year. They have the best defense in the league. And the Raptors are right up there with all those teams, if not better than almost every single one of them any given game. However, all those other teams' offenses outside of the Philadelphia 76ers have been better than the Raptors so far this year. And that's where I have my concerns. That's where I have my concerns. But one thing that I will say is that that first-round series, if they either match up against the Nets or the Magic, that one, I don't want to jinx myself here, but it's going to be a bit of a cakewalk. That's just the way that it is based on based on how both those teams play, how both those teams are the difference between the six seed, the seven and eight seed is is ridiculous. that drop off from the sixers which are currently in the sixth seed to the Nets or the magic is huge And not having to play one of those you know five six seeds in the Eastern Conference right now is is a massive 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 advantage for the Toronto Raptors because they can get into their flow of offense because both the magic and the Nets don't necessarily have the greatest defensive teams and their offense on both sides isn't necessarily going to kill you at any given moment. So with that being said, they can probably lay off a little bit on the defensive end and focus really hard on offense and try to get their schemes right and try to scheme for the teams that they're going to be playing later in the series, because if it'll work against those teams, it'll more than likely, I can guarantee you it'll work against the Nets and the Magic. And so the second part of the concern that I have here in terms of the offenses is Pascal Siakam. And Pascal Siakam hasn't ever been in a playoff series where he's the number one guy, and we saw him in Golden State when, and in Milwaukee and against Philadelphia when the other teams, when whether it was you know Milwaukee or, or Philly or, or Golden State, would put on their guys like Draymond, uh, who was a really good defensive player, obviously. When Giannis Antetokounmpo had to guard Pascal, and when Joel Embiid was put on Pascal Siakam, didn't really have his best games, weren't his best moments. This is not saying that he wasn't good because he was stellar all season long last year, but his production and his efficiency dipped quite a bit. And one thing that Pascal Siakam hasn't done pretty much all season long is get to the line. He's improved his, his three-point shooting. He's, he's improved himself on the inside, around the paint. He's been fantastic improving in those ways. The one thing that I really, really want to see him do more, and he's been really good at passing the ball out of, out of screens and double teams and all that kind of stuff. And that was a little bit of side tangent there. But the one thing I do want to see him do more is get to the line. When his shot's not falling, when guys are able to stop him, the one thing that really, really good star players can do, and you saw LeBron do it over the weekend in the games that he really wanted to win against both the Bucks and the LA Clippers, was get to the line a bunch. Over and over and over and over again. And even if he's only shooting 70% from the free throw line, which he doesn't, he's, he's way better than that. If he's only shooting that and he gets 10 free throws, that's an extra seven points that he's getting rather than going to the line five times and only getting an extra three or four. And that's going to be the difference, I think, in a lot of series and a lot of games, especially with how much Pascal Siakam is is going to have the ball and the demand that Pascal Siakam is going to have out there because when push comes to shove, you're going to try to give your ball to the best offensive player. And when it comes down to it, whether it's going to be Kyle Lowry, Fred Van Fleet, Norm Powell, in those moments... I don't know if you can give Pascal Siakam the ball when it comes down to those last few seconds or the last few possessions because of the the struggles that he's had in in those post ups and in those spin moves. When teams can figure him out, by the time the fifth, sixth, seventh game comes around, you might be able to figure out Pascal Siakam. And that's where I think the biggest the biggest trouble on the offensive end is gonna come is is his maybe misfortunes on that end and maybe him going through a bit of struggling in those ones so anyways guys that will be it for this episode of the raptors rapture podcast as always thank you so much for listening i'm your host hunter Serbliss. as always go to RaptorsRapture.com. please give us a five-star review on apple apple podcast spotify wherever remember to subscribe do whatever you can we love you guys so much and we thank you for for all your help and support i'm hunter surplus as always at the end of every single show go raptors